welcome back to the Roscoat Powder Coater Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Scott, and in this episode, we're going to tackle pricing, knowing what you're worth. Aside from learning powder coating, this has got to be one of the hardest things to get confident with. Are you frustrated with losing money by underbidding? How much does it cost you to do a job? What are those costs? How can you cost a job properly when they're all different? What are the best methods to pricing? My approach to this subject is both technical and practical. First, an interview with Terry Peterson, who has over 40 years experience in the powder coating business. He has seen it all. In the second half, it will be Ross Scott, owner of Maui Powderworks, who has a very no stress method to his estimating. Stick around to hear all the ways they do it to determine the best way for you. Get ready to level up your powder coater game. Now, let's introduce our first guest, Terry Peterson. Hi, Terry. Thanks for being on the show today. Hi, Kim. It's great to be here. This topic of pricing just doesn't seem to go away. It seems like the most quality custom coders that I talk with out there are humble, honest, hardworking people. So if you're good, shouldn't you get paid what you're worth? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, in essence, you're, you're, you're right, Kim, and there are different levels of, of coders that are out there. Some are, are very uh, meticulous about what they do, and some are just out there coding. You've got hobbyists, and you have people that are, you know, really striving to, to create a, a lifelong business and, and provide for their family and make a name for themselves. And I think most powder coders are pretty artsy in their backgrounds. I know I was when I started my business uh, a number of years ago, and I've um, always wanted to, to do the best for the customers, but, um, yeah, the pricing, yeah, um, it is, it is a question that keeps popping up. You see it time and time again on the internet. And I do have people ask me about it from time to time. You bet. So why do you think coders struggle with it? Is it just a confidence game? Well, some of it, I think is, I think, I think some coders, and I know certainly when I started out, and I'll, I'll reference a lot of what I did in the beginning, um, you know, when we start out with the, the biggest shop, the, the best equipment, and you're trying to garner, uh, you know, as much as you can for your product. And uh, once you kind of get past that, that fallacy and, and you're, you're working more of what we were just talking about a few minutes ago about quality and, and uh, um, building a clientele, um, then you start working down to the the the, uh, the grassroots of how you're gonna how you're going to charge for your uh, you know for your services. Um, and you know what I think the basic menu for anybody is a you've got to figure out how much everything's costing you, and that includes your energy cost. How much did you pay for your oven? How much did you pay for your other equipment? How much is your time worth? How much is the powder? that's going on to the, uh, the, the items that you're doing and how much time are you spending prepping it? And those are pretty much the basic, um, um, you know, questions that you need to ask and, and just put it down on paper. 
And sometimes you'll surprise yourself as to how much it's actually costing you. Right. Um, you know, and, and you're realizing, well, I'm not charging enough. Plus, there's always the, um, the good old method of how much are my competitors charging? And then right. you kind of work your system backwards and say, okay, right. if they're charging this, can I get away with that? Or how can I make my process more efficient to make what I need to make on it so I can have a profit? I do want to go there. And I think before we get going much further, I want to get kind of go back up a little bit and kind of give us your background. Um, how did you get started? And, um, you know, how did you learn all this stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, how did I learn it all? That's, that's a funny question. I have people ask me this all the time, and I usually give my, my uh, consulting customers a, a brief history of where I've come from so they feel comfortable with, with who they have coming into their shops. But anyway, about 30 years ago, I, I was in the paint contracting business, had a fairly large business going, and I heard about this, this new powder coating process, this new way to, to uh, coat metal items. So being dumb, like, like most people are when they first start out doing something new, I just went out and found somebody who had a used oven and uh, had a hard time finding somebody with a powder gun, but I did. I was lucky enough to uh, to come across somebody and I bought the equipment. And uh, funny thing was, is the oven was put in, it was installed. And a couple of days later, the, uh, the gentleman that I purchased my gun from came in, dropped it off with a small bag of clear and said, okay, here you go, goodbye. And I went, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what am I doing with this thing? And uh, so he kind of gave me a, a brief, well, here's what you do. You put the powder here, you shoot it. It sticks to things, you throw it in the oven, you're done. And I thought, hey, this is great. How so easy started, is this? <laughs> yeah, how, you're, you're right, Kim. How easy is this? Um, and uh, I got a lot of those comments over the years from customers. Geez, that looks so easy to do. Um, and as I started doing it, luckily, I just started doing things for myself to kind of play with it. And I realized that, wow, there's a there's a big learning curve to this thing. And um, over the years, um, again, you asked me, how did I learn? I learned by the uh, uh, good old hard knocks. Uh, I graduated from the University of Hard Knocks with a PhD uh, a few years ago. <laughs> and and that's, how, that's how I learned. It just by making mistakes. There were many times that I was in the shop two, three days straight, never went home, just simply because I had to have product finished for customers and they weren't turning out right until I learned and taught myself what I needed to do to make that product right. Because there was nobody to go to. There literally was nobody to go to. And for a period of time, um, I was doing work for people literally all over the country. I had customers in California, I had them in Arizona, had them from New York, um, South, East, West, North, I mean, everywhere, because nobody was doing it. Right. So I had to learn. I had to learn. And it was just, and that's kind of how I got my education in, in, uh, in powder coating. And I've just tried to, to work the craft when I did have my shop over the years and, and get as good at, you know, with it as I possibly could. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where, uh, where I started out and where I came from with this. Well, that seems like, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we had uh, Thresh 99 out last week on that previous podcast. If you haven't heard that one, I recommend going yes, back to that yes, one. It was an excellent interview um, because he, he kind of, and I guess that's kind of where we're going with this podcast is we're kind of filling in the blanks, you know, filling in the backstory to, 
to to how and where we are today. Um, and I, I I like this story that you just gave us your story um, because it really kind of adds to that another piece to that puzzle of you being um, sort of a second generation powder coater and how you were able just because you were the only guy you were able to garner all this business from around the country because there wasn't anybody else they could they could come to um, and I think that that helps add a little a little bit more to how we where we came from and where we're going um, and I want to uh, before we get much more into talking directly about prices, pricing, um, um, and and you know, sort of the how competition plays a role, I want to preface uh, one of the top books for business uh, out there is a book called Traction. I don't know if anybody out there is an avid reader. Um, I came across this book. Uh, through a friend and um, you know it's the book is called Traction it's by Gino Wickman and uh, on page 47 they start to go into how uh, how people make mistakes and I started to laugh when I got to this page because the example that he is giving about the classic mistake that people make is about a couple of guys who got into powder coating. <laughs> and I'm, I was laughing so hard because it's like, here's the number one, you know, you would think it would be uh, mistakes on, you know, I don't know, a restaurant business or, uh, you know, a retail business because there are so many mm -hmm. of them. Right. But, Right. Ironically, the sam the example they give us is about powder coating, and you know if you're in the business, it, it it's it's kind of I giggled when I read it because it's like yeah you have no these people really didn't know what they were doing so, um, so basically let me just set this uh, quote up from the book Traction by Gino Wickman, um, and uh, they're talking about basically pitfalls that could lead into making, not thinking things through, um, or like the grass is greener on this, the other side, or, uh, you know, the, 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 they're calling it the surest way, ways to lose your diamond mind. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And uh, th this couple, guys that had a business, um, they were getting bored with it, I guess, and they wanted to um, do a transaction of, with this warehouse. Um, and it, they owned a real estate, they were real estate guys, they were real estate investors, right? And so they came, came across this warehouse um, that uh, they wanted to partner with this other guy who came to them and he goes, Hey man, I got all these customers. They want powder coating and everything. And, uh, the, the quote goes, this particular bullet came in the form of a business proposal from a man who wanted, uh, this, um, real estate company, um, to buy an industrial building he owns so he could start an engine powder coating company. Well, right there, <laughs> 
<laughs> like engine powder coating come on like a what um but anyways continuing on the deal was that he would lease the building from this real estate investor guys and mm -hmm. would use the proceeds of the sale to build the line and the facilities the man had customers already lined up sounds legit right you know um and he just needed to build the company and open its doors on paper it was a million dollar idea excited by the prospect uh, the co-owners uh, decided to go one further and partner with this guy in the powder coating mm -hmm. business um, after investing a million dollars of their own money and, um, and a year and a half of their time, they eventually closed the business. In the three months it had been open, it had lost a total of 300000 Clearly, <laughs> it was the worst business decision yeah. of their careers. Right. Uh, there was, however, a silver, silver lining. Six months later, someone stepped in and bought the company for almost as much as they had put in. They got lucky. On the other hand, they still lost a year and a half of time um, and focus on their on their core business, uh, which was real estate. So um, right. I think it's just a funny example of how things can go bad in a powder coating company. Um, and pricing is just obviously one of it. And you and I talked earlier about like the whole startup, um, you know, how like Americans just go into things. They don't really think things through <laughs> and we just kind of dive in. That's just our nature as, you know, in our nation, you know, we just do it. And, you know, exactly. like your example of just learning the hard way. But I mean, what, um, what do you advise? Uh, and I, I'm going to preface this by saying like, you know, um, this is just your method, right? This is not, you know, you're yeah. not going to tell people exactly what you're going to, you know, um, you know, you have consulting. And so we don't want to talk too deeply about it, but you know, what are some of the things that people should be considering about pricing? Uh, you touched on them a little earlier, but maybe we can go a little deeper now. Uh, what's, what are those, what are those things that we have to think about a uh, fixed and variable costs, stuff like that? Exactly. Well, just like you said, I mean, you really have to sit down and honestly look at what your costing is going to be. Um, and, and and that includes, as we were talking about before, your energy costs, your your consumable costs, um, your um, cost of your equipment, uh, your, your overhead, your energy. Um, if you have any labor, um, if you're taking any money out of the business or planning on end, that's something that you really... <laughs> It's kind of a no-no in the beginning, anyway, because you're, right. you're you're trying to file it all back in just to just to keep the operation going. Um, you know, it it there, there's a it's all pretty tried and true, um, but then with the powder coating business, um, you you also have to be aware of, and I think this is probably what happened to those gentlemen that were trying to do the uh, the engine coating business. You have to be involved with the the brass tacks of your business. You have to be inquisitive. You have to learn. You have to understand what it takes to produce that product and not just, okay, I've got customers. They're going to send me work and we're just going to buy the equipment and do it. There's so much more to it, as we were saying earlier, with, with learning um, the ins and outs. Um, you know, it just, again, it's, it's, it's pretty basic, but it's something that a lot of, a lot of folks don't look at. Um, when they are starting a business, what's this darn thing going to cost me? 
And I mean, you need to look, as we were saying before, at everything, because there's something that'll just wheedle you away. Let's take, for instance, um, reduce and rejection. Yeah. Yeah. Do you figure in how much time it's taking you to do that? You go, okay, I'm I'm making $100 on this project. I've got all my costs covered, but what happens if this project fails? And we know this happens, particularly with powder coating, because you're dealing with a heat source, you're dealing with, with metals, you're dealing with contaminants and cleaning. So this is a factor that a lot of, a lot of folks don't build into their costing which I think is really, really important. Um, you know, I've seen businesses that I've worked with that um, they'll just, they'll go, well, how much your rejection? How many parts you reject? Or, or what, what's the problem with your rejections? I go, oh, I don't know, we're, you know, X amount, and maybe 10 a day, 20 a day, 30 a day. And I go, don't you ever look at what that's costing you? No, we, we don't, we're not really concerned about that. But yet on the other hand, when you sit down and you, you evaluate their business with them. They're going, yeah, but we're not making as much money as we should be making. How can we do that? <laughs> let's go. Let's go back and take a look at, you know, how we can avoid these rejections. So again, you know, that's a technical aspect of the business, but it's still a major cost factor uh, that you have. Uh, yeah, and um, before we met you, Terry, um, I had consulted a local uh, uh, guy here in Maui. Um, to kind of help Ross, uh, this was in the early days of where mm -hmm. we were starting to get um, projects coming, bigger projects coming in and stuff. And I right. kind of was getting after him about underbidding jobs and stuff because I don't think he was considering redos. I mean, the whole point, it, it is a confidence game in two ways, right? I mean, it's charging enough but then also knowing hey i don't want to redo this how am i going to do it right you know the first time right. and right. um you know one of the things that he gave us tip i guess that he gave us is that um you know if if he can if ross considered the job to be easy um then you know obviously he wouldn't have his spidey sense wouldn't be jumping out at him and he could just charge, you know, like if he's looking at a project he's never done before, uh, you know, and he wasn't thinking it was going to be hard uh, to just give him that project. But if he had any doubt, if any doubt or intuition came to him about this project um, to add 10 to 15% on top of the first number that came to him. Right. So, you know, um, if that's excellent advice, it is, and I, 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 I think Ross finally, you know, well, he has his own method to this day. But uh, for those of the, you know, for those of you out there, you know, you've got that first price that just jumps in your head when you're looking at a project, and then always, I don't want to say doubt yourself, but like, you know, if you're not sure uh add 10 to 15 percent and it's easy to do that in your heads you know like if it's 500 add 50 bucks make it 550 you know um right. and that's just a simple a simple little nugget i guess out there to do um of course i think some of the other you know technical stuff is to get it on paper like what you're saying is really you got to get it on paper 
which means you have to have some way to track uh, whether you're using QuickBooks or some other uh, method of um, accounting. Um, and for those of you that do, you know, start looking at your profit and loss statement, your balance sheet, your cash flow. How do you help your customers, you know, that have that level uh, where you can actually dive into the numbers? I mean, um, what sort of things, line items, do you look at on those uh, reports? Well, I mean, again, I'm not an accountant, and and I, you know, just to kind of preface this, um, I don't, I don't even pretend to be an accountant by any means. Uh, numbers are not my uh, my bailiwick. But um, you know, if customers come to me and they, they ask me about some of these things, I mean, we'll 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 delve into their getting back to what we talked about their basic costs and and looking at have have you put down on paper you know what what your actual what you think your actual costs are uh it's so important uh you know to to get back to the grassroots and it's great to have an account it's great to have accounting programs but in starting you really need to have that in black and white in front of you and keep tallying that on a daily basis um so those are the things that you know the questions i'll ask them you know what how do you know where your costs are at? What is your powder costing you? Do you know how much is going on in the product? How long is it taking you? Those type of things. Yeah. And if they can't answer those, then I'll go, you may really need to start looking at some of those areas a lot closer. Um, and, and so many people start into business, and I'm going to take this in two, two forms. One, just not even considering those things we were just talking about and others they'll jump into a go feet have an accountant they'll have accounting programs and they'll have spreadsheets and they have all this you know um, um, uh, information that they can garner uh, but they don't know how to put it there to 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 make sense of it um, so there's there's again you have to you have to understand your business you have to understand where your costs are coming from and that's pretty again I, I'm repeating myself that that's pretty basic nuts and bolts you, you you you've got to know what your costs are and believe me everybody does when they sit down and look at it they know what their costs are because they pay the bills every month so yeah and i you know when i first started looking at those um you know scary things that started popping out of my quickbooks those reports <laughs> You know, I couldn't make sense of them, and I'd actually even done a, um, a business class on them. Um, and uh, I, you know, one of the things that my bookkeeper pointed out to me was like, look at your cost of goods, mm -hmm. um, and you know, because that's just generally everything, right? And if your cost of goods exceeds, uh, I think it's like you know, you don't want that number to be that percent to be over 50%. In fact, the lower that number, um, oh, yeah. the, the lower that number, the better, because that leads, you know, um, to uh, more profitability, in a sense, that's how you would read a, a you know, you, you, com you compare that to your profit. Now, there's, a formula for that, but QuickBooks I know has has a percentage thing you can click in there and it'll give you that percent right off. It calculates it for you. So um, ideally you want your costs, you want that percentage below 25%, but 
Um, and that includes your employee costs and expenses, which is extremely hard to do. Uh, and you, you understand why these industrial coders are just so into the numbers and so technical all the time, because that's how they know their, you know, business is doing well is looking at the numbers um, and stuff. And that kind of leads back into what you were saying is to look at these, look at your costs, because that's where you start um where you can start finding that trail to profitability um exactly you know exactly yeah exactly kim um you know and if there's any if there's any hard advice i could give uh, somebody starting out and I, and i know that's pretty much you know the audience we're, we're we're trying to approach today and that is as hard as you work on your powder coating and as hard as you work on your techniques work on your accounting work on making sure that you're you're watching your expenses that goes hand in hand on a daily basis and you will learn and, and as you as you mentioned earlier you know ross has got a pretty good way of estimating things and and everybody gets to that point if they pay attention to the numbers you will get to that point and it'll just become um second hand in, in taking a look at an object and taking a look at a problem and going um yeah this is what it's going to cost even if you have to counsel and that's something else you learn over the years is how to counsel your customers um, to kind of get them aware of potential issues that could arise with a product they've given you. So you learn these things over the years, but unless you really pay attention to it, and again, both the powder coating aspect of it, your technical aspect, you've got you've got to also pay attention to that 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 cost and that time factor that you're um, you're putting into it because that's where your money's going. Yeah, and most of these powder coaters today are bootstrapping, they're scaling, which means they're not really buying equipment until they need it. Um, I know that's how we did it. Um, and we didn't buy the whole enchilada powder X thing um, like a lot of them do and then get into it from there. I, right. I don't think that would have worked for us, um, to be honest with you, uh, because we really didn't even know at the time uh, how much customers were out there for us to even get uh, because, you know, we were so ex excluded here. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, they're they're. There's more, like I said, there's more dissemination or just more information out there for customers to get interested in this finish um, for their everyday right. products. And I think that that's helping um, gain, helping powder coaters uh, get started faster um, and stuff. But uh, I think this has been great, um, you know, trying to figure this out and and wade in the weeds a little bit let's talk about now competition um because i think that also plays a huge role uh in another way another facet to actually look at at it from my wheelhouse which is your brand right your marketing your mm -hmm. um so I'm kind of getting more in the comfortable zone here now with what we're talking about, because when you are faced with competition, direct competition or indirect, um, you know, knowing that other side can actually help you in your business and how it relates to brand, because um, when you know 
the industry from that perspective, um, you understand now where you fit in the market. And that's what's so powerful with understanding, you know, a lot of guys just don't care or, and that's fine. You don't have to care because you, you've got your own thing going on and, um, you know, you're doing just rims or you're just doing brake calipers or, or whatever. You don't care mm -hmm. about these other jobs, but for those that want to scale larger, faster, um, doing these industrial jobs actually can get you there, but knowing what the competition is, uh, you know, charging helps you get that fit because maybe you'll find something. So let's talk about how do you find, how, how does competition play a role, a competition pricing play a role uh, in, in your pricing? Well, I mean, it, it, it does play a role because A, I mean, if you're, you're doing a, a, a certain item, a widget, um, and your your competition is bidding on that same widget, you 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 do need to have some semblance of an idea of where where they're going with their cost. I mean, you can't be two hundred dollars apart when they're ten dollars apart. You know, uh, just because you say, "Well, I'm worth this," well, you might be worth it, but <laughs> is it worth doing the job for you? Um, so yeah, competition is something that that is good and it's bad. Uh, I always viewed it as a as an advantage uh, to me because um, People are always looking for, for coders, uh, especially nowadays. I'm finding this more and more with, with customers I deal with. Um, and it's always good to know and keep in touch with those customers, even though they're not your customers, keep in touch with them because things do arise from time to time. It gives you uh, insight as to what costings are. It gives you an insight as to what your competition is doing for them. And is there an inroad for you to jump in and uh, grab some business from these folks? So, you know, it, it's a cost thing. It's a uh, um, understanding where your where your competition is at type of thing. But yes, definitely, you you need to have uh, an idea of where your your competition is at charging. Whether again, it be rims, and I've seen all kinds of crazy prices all over the place on those to uh, to to widget, you know, to industrial things. So, um, so would yeah. you would you recommend like calling um, your competition to to ask or pretend well, you're, I mean, I don't know, how how would you do that? Like, or would you call the yeah. customer and say, no, hey, somebody can I, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a little a tricky, times, right? You can call, yeah. I mean, calling is, they're not, they're not about to give you the time of day. Um, but I would just suggest um, setting up appointments. Just take some time during the week. And I know everybody's busy, but if you want to, expand your business and, and, and make it grow, you have to develop a customer base. Uh, you can't just do a certain item because that certain item is going to dry up. So you have to develop a pipeline, a customer base per se. Just even if you take um, a, a day every two weeks and set up appointments with people and say, hey, I'd like to come in and talk to you about my services. You start learning a lot and you start developing relationships with these customers. And it may take a couple of times, but you start learning where your competition is at through those discussions with the sit-downs, face-to-faces. I've always been a face-to-face -face person with folks. Uh, I'd much rather deal with them that way because you know where they're coming from. They know where you're coming from. Um, so if you've got that wherewithal in your personality to do it, um, I highly suggest that's how you 
uncover the information that's out there. It's really the best way to do it. So kind of more like a long game uh, perspective. Yeah, really. It yeah. is a long game. Yeah, they're, they're, unless somebody is, you know, you, you hear through the pipeline that, hey, um, XYZ manufacturing is really having a hard time with, um, you know, uh, their powder coater. Uh, you may want to go see them. Uh, right. And that, that, that comes about from time to time. Those are terrific situations. But you need to develop that, that, that uh, customer relationship part of your business also. And um, you learn a lot. And it does take a period of time. Believe me, in the first month, year, year and a half, you're not going to develop all of that overnight. It, it, it takes time. But if you're in the business to long term, to establish a long term business, that's the way you have to do it um, to develop your, your, your baseline of customers. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, just to even be ready. So if that does happen, you know, you have something, you know, that you can present um, or have some semblance of uh, getting ready to, for, for something like that to happen in your life, right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, exactly. You know, um, and just always trudging forward with your marketing plan or your, you know, and how that plays into uh, revenues, you know. Uh, but go right, ahead. What right. were you going to say about that? No, no. And, and, and I do know, I want to throw in the fact that, I mean, nowadays, social media plays such a, a big part in, in helping businesses develop, but it still comes down to that personal relationship. And you, you're going to find that, especially when you get into the industrial markets and commercial markets and wanting to, to delve into that. Um, it, it, it may get you some awareness, but that personal contact is really ultimately what is going to develop a strong customer base and a good, um, reliable customer base to work with over the years. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's true. And that's exactly what we've uh, been sort of lately up against, you know, is um, that industrial job, the ones that bring you the big bucks um, are much harder to get. Um, we can, you know, be, and it, the problem isn't that they're not out there. I think they are out there. The problem, oh, yes, they are. yeah, the problem has been for us is get getting in front of these people because they are so busy. Um, they uh, don't, unless you're doing a lunch and learn kind of pr presentation kind of thing, um, and they're professionals, so they've got their own way. You know, if we're talking, I'm talking like contractors, um, architects. Uh, these are some of the targets that we have here that I've been trying to get in front of. Um, either that, or you're spending a bazillion dollars in front of um, at a, some, you know, builder conference or something like that. You know, uh, there's that approach too that we've tried to. But you know, you're paying a lot of like membership fees, and and you're still an outsider, right? You know, so right. Right. Um, you know that's how it's here. You know, here been here for us, but. Uh, you know, it might be a little different on the mainland. I don't know, just because it's so much bigger. I can't imagine. But, um, you know, it's kind of, well, up until COVID, that's been our kind of where we've been going. It's just trying to get in front of these people and doing these presentations um, and getting, and still, they still need education because they've got their own thing that they learned in college or their own method or way of doing things in their business and they haven't really thought outside of that so it's not just 
getting in front of them, it's now convincing them how wonderful coatings are, powder coatings are, you know? Um, but I think um, having, that's how the brand kind of, for me, that's how the brand kind of has started um, is just getting, trying to get in front of these people to, to talk to them about it. And I think once they hear about it, they're like, wait, what? You know, other than that, it's been like a mistake that's happened and now they're under a deadline and they've reached out to us. Uh, and you know, we're now able to help them, um, solve their problem. And that's usually been the two ways that we've gotten these larger, um, cause they've heard it from someone else that we did this job and whatever mm -hmm. reputation and stuff. But, um, I think, I think we're right. I mean, like there's, I think we've presented a few different ways that, uh, you know, we've even called a, a competition, you know, and asked them how much they're charging, you know, and then trying to assess their, where they're coming from, you know, or what, why do customers go to them? Uh, it has been kind of like, you know, how helping us figure out where our placement is in the market, which has also helped us with our pricing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it is a total awareness. The total awareness of, of, and I always started off talking about, about pricing, but it all comes back to this, you know, and, and without proper pricing, you, you don't make any money. But all these factors are involved um, in a total awareness of your business and of the uh, community that you're you're going after to uh, to garner work um yeah it's not it's not just uh buying an oven buying a gun and saying okay i'm in business i'm going to start coding things uh, there's so much more to it um and uh, nowadays it's it's maybe a little more difficult because there are so many places popping up um but uh, being aware uh developing good customer service understanding where your where your basic costs are at and then working your craft and working and working and working. And I'm going to say this above all, be as honest as you possibly can to your customers. Be honest with them, educate them, let them know what you're doing and let them know why you're doing it. Because that develops such a relationship um, that, that, that just goes miles. Uh, all you have to do is make one goof up or, or, or fib to a customer and have it get out and, um, Boy, all your hard work goes right down the drain. So honesty is still the best policy. Yeah, and I think a lot of, I mean, at least a lot of the quality custom coders that I talk to out there generally are humble, honest, hardworking people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, but at the same time, that same kind of personality trait um, makes them to a fault sometimes they undercharge and and stuff and so i hope that you know this is a great way to kind of wrap up our talk because it kind of leads back to that you know how to get paid what you're worth um and you know for some of us i think what you said too uh, on awareness having an awareness about it okay it's sometimes not easy to work math and numbers in your business. A lot of people shy away from it. Some people are just naturally good at it, but either way, mm -hmm. um, it's just becoming aware of it and trying to hopefully use some of the things that we've talked about today to implement in your business, um, uh, to, to, to utilize so that you can 
at least address, you know, uh, your pricing. Uh, so it's not necessarily adding one and one, you know, equals two all the time. It's just kind of having that, that hard conversation with yourself, you know, or your wife who's complaining or your girlfriend <laughs> or whatever. Right. It's a good um, way to put it, Kim. Yes. Right. <laughs> because I'm usually the one going, you didn't charge enough. You didn't charge enough, you know, whatever and, and stuff. And so it's a great way to kind of wrap up um, is just to have that awareness, uh, have that conversation with yourself, try to put some numbers together, uh, reach out to Terry uh, if you can't. Um, I'm a little plug for you, Terry. I don't know if you need another plug, but you're so busy already. But, you know, there are consultants out there. So if you do, you know, reach out to a bookkeeper, uh, throw them a couple hundred bucks to help you get an accountant. You know, some these things do help, uh, it, but it is up to you to uh, to do it. So would you agree, Terry? Oh, I you know. I, I fully agree. I mean, and, and, and again, numbers don't lie. And it is difficult for a lot of folks. I mean, it was difficult for me in the beginning, um, both of my commercial painting business and also when I, especially when I started the powder coating business. But you just have to force yourself to look at that, that, that evil notebook that's sitting there on your desk. It has all that information in it because it's so important. It's so important. Yeah, and I think that that's for for me too. Just a, one final thought is I I'm not naturally that way either with numbers, uh, but I forced myself to sit down and start to look at them. And mm -hmm. the, you know what the thing is is once I got into it, I really got into it because the numbers tell a story, right? That's what they do. They sure do. And. Yeah. It, it, it's it's all of it. It's the competition and knowing where your place is in the market. And then it's all these numbers and then trying to tease out that story behind it um, and how to go about doing that, you know, and everyone's, you know, it's all basically the same, but I hope to have a deeper conversation maybe later about that, maybe get an expert in here on, on that. Um, you know, what kind of numbers do you look at and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, from a basic point of view, you know, you, you kind of know what they are, you know, it's, you've simply brought them to, to this conversation today about powders and, you know, your, your fixed costs and some of the stuff, you know, versus pricing. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. all been captured here uh, today um, and stuff. So, uh, you know, how can, do you want to throw out how people can get a hold of you if they have any questions? Uh, yeah, if they, I mean, if they do, they can, they can contact me um, um, through my uh, email at T-E-P-O-W-D-E-R, I've had that forever, at msn.com, that's T-E powder, at msn.com, or um, my uh, phone number is 815-545-7709. That's awesome. I'd be awesome. happy to speak with anybody. Yeah, Terry, you're awesome. Thank you. I mean, you've certainly helped us think a lot of things through while we've been scaling as fast as we have. And I certainly appreciate uh, you on the show today because I think we've definitely given people some food for thought. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope to have you back again uh, sometime soon, maybe talking about some other stuff. I appreciate that, Kim. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. So now we're going into the second half of uh, the interview or part two of pricing. 
and getting what you're worth or what is your worth. Uh, I've for this part of the section, we've uh, decided to invite Ross, owner of Maui Powder Works, to the show. Ross, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. Welcome. How's that dining room table? Is it working for you? It's square. <laughs> okay. Well, um, why don't you just get right into it? I mean, tell us your journey about how that you took to get to where you are today with uh, pricing and the confidence that you have to charge what you do? Well, obviously I come from multiple business background. Uh, we had uh, our painting business before that, and that was a great mechanism for uh, price discovery because uh, we were doing all these jobs with the hotels. Um, I ran a sailboat company before that with uh, employees and uh, doing taking tourists out on rides and we had a lot of maintenance involved with that vessel and you know we learned a lot about the cost of uh, doing maintenance and uh, when I was actually very young I had a paper route so you know I've, I've kind of been in the entrepreneur state my whole life uh, <laughs> but as far as price discovery goes and for powder coating it, it was a little more kind of like Oh my goodness, what am I going to charge? And how do I go about charging this? And the best way I can say at doing this is, is basically look at the job, figure out how much time it's going to take and how much supplies you're going to burn doing that job. Once you understand just the basic least common denominator part, then you can start figuring out your price structuring. Uh, it, it just didn't happen overnight. Uh, I did call around and figure out what other people are charging. And I was like, well, how come this is so expensive and how come this is so cheap? I, I, I couldn't quite put it all together. And, you know, obviously over the time I went, oh, that's why that's expensive. And that's just too cheap. That guy doesn't know what he's doing, you know? Right. Okay, and so. I think there, you know, there is a, there is some homework that the powder coaters that are getting started in the industry have to do. I mean, it's just part of the process of, if you want to get into this business, that's just one of the things you do. Um, the more pieces of the puzzle you can put together, I think uh, Terry and I went over this briefly, the more, uh, the more you can get confident about the perspective or the in, enter entrance to market is for your specific business, you know? And I think we have a good example of that right here in Maui, where we have a powder coater um, near us that specializes in hotel furniture. Um, and he doesn't necessarily want uh, all the crazy stuff that comes into our shop uh, every day. I mean, he doesn't want that variation or that variable, uh, or that, you know, he's just locked into what he does. This works for him and he's okay with that. Uh, you want to get into that at all? I mean, it, it really well, helped us determine that. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, like you said, they do, uh, Levi furniture and they're, that's their business model and they are really good at it. And, you know, I do an occasional Lanai set here and there, but I hate doing it. 
because it takes a lot of time. And here comes what I'm talking about. You have to figure out how long it takes for you to do your job. And, you know, if you if you start doing the numbers, you go, holy crap, I'm not making any money doing this. You know, it, that it's that simple. So uh, I stay away from things that are, are too uh, laborious and uh, and take too much time to do. And and I try to stay on things that are keep me in the zone of making money. So like rims, I've got that down. I've got those things down. And yeah. I, I can basically do a set of four rims in four hours. And, you know, we charge basically $500. So if you break that down, that's $125 an hour. So right. that's that's okay. That's not my actual target rate. I'd rather be at about 150 an hour. Right. I, I feel for amount of... Uh, stuff we have in the shop that we're providing we're like a high-end welder basically and you know because of the cost of things that we have like the media the stripper and being that we're here in hawaii and to get these things here is so expensive that i should be at least charging 150 an hour and so you basically can look at it that way that's one way to look at it say how long is it going to take me for do this job so you know uh, here i go off the model of rims you got four rims it's going to take you know four hours of time Uh, you can break that time down you got an hour to strip and you have the amount of stripper you're using now of course if you have it like in a, a containerized vessel and you're reusing it you have a, a time decay of of that so you can keep reusing it but eventually you have to re-add to it and add more so you know that's a hard cost to figure out <laughs> what that is but uh you know you haven't but let's just look at it at time wise an hour to strip and then you have basically uh let's just say two hours to uh sandblast and then rinse and uh then tape and then from there, you got about uh, an hour to coat them. So there you have it, four hours. So uh, right. So you should start with how much you want to start making per day or per hour is well, what you're saying. Yeah, you got to have an almost two outlooks. And one outlook is the hourly and uh, or the job. Just look at the job. What am I doing? And, you know, a good thing to go look, if you're new to business and you're new to powder coating, I highly recommend checking out that show, American Restoration on TV. Uh, th- that guy, uh, is his name Dale, he, he, it's amazing how he he basically goes, it's going to take me to do this uh, long to do it, uh, going to have paint, the sandblast is this, and da 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 So your price is $7,000. You know, he'll say something like that, and you just go, wow, he just rattled that right off his head. And it's pretty amazing how he does that. But he's been doing it for so long, he can do that. Now, I've right. gotten to the point, I can rattle it off pretty much quickly in my head also. But I have to put pay, pen and paper to it because there's, there's hidden costs, and you have to be very careful because that's what can get you in the end. Yeah. And so sometimes it, it it's sort of a little bit of a confidence game and a math game. Um, it's about how good you are about adding numbers in your head. Um, and but no one, no powder sh- a coder should feel like I guess my thing is, is I know 
when you have a customer staring at you in the face and they're wanting you to uh, give them a price right then and there, um, no one should feel like they should have to uh, do that at all. And if they do feel compelled to do so, know, either already know that going in, you're going to feel that downward pressure of like, they want you to charge less or they're, you know, but charge, take the other, I challenge all these coders out there to actually charge more and see what happens. <laughs> That's the challenge because until you, until you say, well, yeah, I want this much for this, be, you know, don't even give them a reason. Just say, I'm going to do this job for this much and see what your customer says. I mean, yeah, it's possible that they may say that it's too much and they're going to go somewhere else. Then fine, go, go do that. But, uh, you don't, you have to constantly push the roof up, you know, especially when you're learning and trying out new things. And you, you know, when you've nailed a good finish, you know, you can do it again. So I don't know. What do you think of that advice? Oh, I think it's great. Uh, the best advice I have ever been given in my life was given by an old friend of mine. And he basically said that when you're charging and you give the price to the client, he should grumble a little bit. He should basically go, oh, that's kind of, kind of, I, I don't know. Okay. But you know what? I'm going to do it. That when, when that happens, you know, you're charging perfect. Uh, yeah. you, when you're, when you're not charging enough, you go, okay, uh, it, it's going to be this much for the job. And they go, sure, no problem. And you're like, damn, I should, <laughs> you know, I should have charged more because you want, you want, them to kind them of go to think. Uh, yeah. just a little bit of hesitation <laughs> and, and, and if they're not hesitating you're not charging enough and, and that's a good, good point good very good point yeah know, barometric pressure model there <laughs> right exactly um but uh, i i did have uh, you know uh, what I, you know i'm going over the uh, hourly you know but i don't look at that pretty much anymore that when i first started that's how I, I looked at it and I was like, okay, this is what I need to charge, you know, and to get the pricing. But then after doing this for so many years, I realized this oven makes this much an hour, this oven makes that much an hour, and that other oven makes that much an hour. And yeah. I've learned that by looking at how I run my shop, I can charge more or less for it. And when I get a big call for a big job, I immediately go, okay, well, this job's going to be done in this oven. And I know this oven can run at this rate. And this is what I'm charging. How? And then what I do, instead of figuring out, I go, well, how many batches is this going to take to do this job? Right. And then, and then from there, I come up with my price. Yeah. And of course, I add in the powder the time of uh, taping, uh, racking too. You got to, you know, some of these Especially jobs, oh my God, yeah. you, could, you can spend three hours just racking up just one run in the oven. Yeah. And, you know, so you have to take that in account. You you, you do, do because they're, you know, it will bite you in the end if you know. So what we're talking about is batch pricing, um, yeah. which batch. I'm not sure how many people do that now. Um, it, it, I, I think we use it in two different ways. We use it like how you just described, 
in how you get your, like, if you've got a big call and you've got to throw out an estimate to a client, um, it's sometimes easier to break things down by, by the part or by, you know, instead of linear inches or feet or whatever, I, I never, we never really have prescribed to too much to the linear feet. And I know they do it in the industrial thing and that's different. Those people have all kinds of math equations and, uh, spreadsheets and, and formulas for that stuff, but it's hard for the batch coder or the custom coder to, to do it that way. We just don't have the, we just don't have that availability unless they came from that, you know, unless they came from that, uh, business to begin with. But if you're just starting off as a batch coder, or you've only ever been a custom or bespoke coder. It's like the batch thing or the per day pricing goal or the per hour goal seems to be the best. And the way we use the batch pricing is when we're really quoting large jobs, like in like gates and railings or, or like uh, uh, gutters and, you know, metal strips and stuff like that. We use the batch coat to counter the QuickBooks quote, right? So we use it as a double check system to make sure that we, you know, that we are actually coming in to, because I do my side, right? Which is the QuickBooks side. We have our, we have our estimated pricing in there. And then you do it yourself on your own. And then we do a comparison and then we see how close we are. And a lot of times we're right on. Yeah, yeah. It, you basically take all your pricing and of uh, the batch for the oven, and how many times you're going to do it, uh, how much powder you're going to use, and so forth with supplies. And you basically take that number and you divide it literally by how many linear feet you're doing or whatever, and you can come up with the linear foot price that way too. And we've we have found that we've actually come under. Uh, nation standards for linear pricing. I've I've learned wow, and it's like you sit there and go, well, uh, maybe we should add more into here, or, or and you know, I look at it and go, you know, that's right. That's a real. That's a real estimate we gave them, and I stick mm-hmm. to it, and and it always works out. It it always it, it works does. out. Now there's also uh, you know another uh, segment to this as far as what you should charge, you know, and this is a more of a macro view and because we've been talking more of a micro view, breaking everything down. So, and this is very important because a lot of people don't look at this and every business needs to have a goal, a goal, which they need to achieve. And, you know, you might say, Hey, you know, uh, I want to make, you know, $200,000 this year. Well, how much money do you have to do in a day to do $200,000 in a year. And, and those are things you need to, to put on your board and your wall and your office and say, and say, listen, I want to achieve this number. How do I go about that? Well, you, you know, if you're working five days a week, you got to look at that. And you know, that number could, you know, when we first started, our first goal was $500 a day. And, you know, we met that and, and then we went, well, we need to do a thousand dollars a day. And then right. you know, we met, we met that. And <laughs> yeah, we blew through that one. And, and then, and then we said, we need to do $2,000 a day. And we did that a few times. And, and, and of course now we got uh, COVID-19. Oh. Yeah, we got COVID-19 right now. And exactly. So things, <laughs> things are, but I, uh, think, I, I think you're right. I mean, you got to, 
whatever it is, you got to make enough so that you can cover your business expenses and then still put food on the table and pay your pay your mortgage and your rent or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, that's I think that we've covered that pretty well between you and Terry uh, and stuff. But I want to divert just a little bit off of this. Just I mean, just another perspective, I guess it's not really diversion, but, um, you know, because there's. Um, there are customer expectations and then there are deliverables, right? And sometimes you and I get into it. Uh, yes, we're a husband and wife team and we argue all the time about practically everything. Um, and healthy, healthy arguing. <laughs> well, we'd like to say that, but it can get kind of rowdy at times, but you know, because, and, and here's, here's where I'm getting at. Cause this is what, you know, you are such a perfectionist and as many of the coders that listen to this show are, and it's just, you can't help it. It's your nature. You don't want something to go out unless it's absolutely 100% spotless, perfect, no flaws, whatever. And then there's the kind of pricing that, and then there's the price that the customer's willing to pay, like the top dollar, right? And this is another thing that I'm not sure how many people out there are doing, but you've got to understand that there's only so much your audience or your customer or your target group is going to pay based on your geographical location, your brand, and your product. And, and, you know, sometimes you go above and beyond with this and it gets me kind of riled because there's only, they're they're still only going to pay this price. And I know you do it just because that's who you are. And of course that's helped us in ways that, you know, reputation wise, has preceded our company. Um, but there is, you know, you got to keep in mind that, you know, without cr- making yourself so crazy with the perfection side, you still got to think back, okay, is my customer going to be okay if there's one little dimple in there or one little bump or, you know, and that's, that's where I think the subtlety of understanding that and being okay with what you're delivering or what you're pushing out the door really, really comes to it. So are you going to be that super neurotic uh, if you, you know, powder coater where it has to be 100% perfect? Because if you are, you should be charging top dollar, top dollar. If uh, if, If your crossovers like us, where we do so many different kinds of jobs and we're just scaling big, little, small, old, new, whatever, and in between, um, you know, we need to price a, to, it kind of come becomes a timing thing because there's only so much time we can spend on rims and it's not out of the spectrum of all the products we do or jobs we do. I'd rather take a bigger gate job, railing job, because we make so much more on that. And it's so much easier to do than, um, a restoration job or something like that. So, uh, do you want to add any, I mean, did I kind of cover that pretty well, or I'd like you to add into that if you can. 
Well, I think you said that correctly. Uh, you know, obviously anything that's new fabrications coming in your shop is so much easier to deal with, you know, so it's quicker, it's faster. You're going to get it done. Uh, when you're dealing with restoration and you're tearing something back, I mean, take stripping and sandblasting and, you know, you're spending way more time and there's only so much somebody will pay for their restoration. And a lot of times I tell people, you know what, I can do this for you. It's going to cost you this much. And they go, whoa. And I go, yeah, it's a lot of time. So maybe you should throw, instead of throwing good money after bad, just buy new, you know. And, yeah. you know, you just have to kind of send them on your way. And, you know, in all honesty, it, it's the right thing to do because you're you're allowing your schedule to be more open to the better paying jobs. Uh, right. But, you know, exactly. uh, these, these, these are different times now. So, you know, you, you know. You, uh, you know, like I'll take a, a job I won't necessarily want to do, and I might negotiate a little bit on it just because I know we got to keep the numbers up. So, you know, those right. are things you have to keep in mind, too. And, you know, you don't want to be out of business. You want to be in business. And, you know, you got to answer your phones. That's the That's most important the thing, thing, you yeah, know, and, and, and then you have to reply to the customer quickly and responsively. And and get that quote out. And it's it's not easy coming up with price discovery if you just started doing this. Right. And, that. you know, for those that are sort of on the shy side or kind of procrastinate getting job, getting estimates out, my advice there is to not, is to really get yourself out of that, uh, out of that ditch and do it. Uh, don't procrastinate getting job quotes out. Do it as fast as you possibly can and challenge yourself to do that first before you even start powder coating for the day. I mean, just do it because I'm telling you, a lot of times it's the first estimate that they get that they go for because it's the first one out that they get. And a lot of the time these jobs need to get, they're just trying to get it out or done or they don't want to, you know, Sometimes they're waiting for three bids. Sometimes they just can go with the one. I don't know, but like get, do that first. Do not procrastinate getting estimates out. That's number one advice. I think the other thing too, like you touched on with the restoration too, is, you know, a lot of this stuff people inherit or they want to restore it, or it's an antique that their mother left them or, you know, whatever. And they get it for free, yet they want to restore it, but they won't pay to, for the restoration because they got it for free, right? Like their, their, their mindset on that is so off kilter, right? I mean, I had that happen yeah. to me in the refinishing business with the furniture and she's like, I got this for free from my great aunt. Why would I want to pay all this money for you to restore it? Okay. Definitely not your customer, right? Get, get out the door, go away, you know? Yeah. And that's a very important thing you just hit. Know your customer. Who is your customer? Who do you want it to be your customer? Because you know, that's yeah. very important. We know who our customer is. And we we basically say, okay, this is our customer. We are going to attract that customer here. And that's who we want. Uh, you know, so if you start bringing in those customers that you don't want, you know, oh, God. And then it's like, a, it's just like a, an eternal loop. They'll tell their friends. <laughs> and then you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be doing right. this. You don't want to be that guy. 
I don't, you know? I don't, I don't do iron <laughs> furniture. No, 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 we don't do yeah. that here. Yeah. Don't, don't be that guy. Cause <laughs> you do. And it's just this endless cycle. But I think that that's, I think that's really where we should end because that's the confidence, right? That's the confidence that you have when you are doing pricing. Um, yeah. You know, so we've touched on the math part, but we've also touched on the confidence part. Well, it, yeah, it's confidence, but uh, you got to look at it um, hourly, daily, monthly, yearly. And once you figure those projections out, what you want to do, you know, then you can break it down to a daily cost, you know, and go, right. okay, this is what I need. Or not a cost, but a, a, a you know, a goal. goal. So you're like, uh, you Sales know, I need, to, I, I need to make this much a, a day in order to make this much in a, a month in order to make this much in a year. And, you know, it's real important. I, I learned that from my father. My father taught me that. And, and, you know, it's like, it was also awesome advice. I mean, I used to go into his office as a, as a young teenager and look at these charts and just go wow and you know i was always i was just impressed by that and we have taken that and do that in our office and that's what we do and it, it, it's an incentivizer because you you see the numbers on the wall and you go okay I, we got to do more you know to make this happen you know and if you don't see that then you don't you're not aware of it and you know and that's all part of pricing, uh, yeah. you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, you know, if I just charged, you know, $10 more, what does that do to the end game? Oh boy, right. you'd be surprised what it does. Right. You know, I, I, I run into this all the time. You know, people charge me, yeah, I'm charging $90 an hour to sandbox. I go, you're what? I go, how much does it cost to fill up your pot? Right. You know, and then they go, they don't think of those things. And I'm just like, right. I'm like, whoa, you know, and that comes, you know, to buying equipment. How much does it cost to run that piece of equipment? You know, uh, you know, when we were looking at that, uh, that dustless blaster, you know, I after I did the math on it. I was like, this is insane. No way. And, uh, <laughs> Apologies <laughs> to anybody that owns one of those. Sorry. We, we, we nearly, I don't know. What's the word? We nearly missed the, missed that one. <laughs> no, it looks great. It looks good it on the video. On You're like, you get, you get all, you know, excited. You know, you see that thing <laughs> on the video. You're like, yeah, man, I'm going to get that. And then you start doing the math on that thing. You're like, whoa, boy, yeah, I'm right, yeah, I'm right out of business. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, but I know, think um, there's some stuff that I found on the internet that I wanted to bring up really quick. And they're just four points that I just wanted just to do a couple, you know, things back and forth with you. And that is number one, everyone has a different starting point. And I think that that plays into pricing and confidence. I mean, that's no brainer there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to basically figure out what you're worth and, you know, what is that? What is that number? You know, mechanics are, you know, a good mechanic will be $100, $120 an hour. Uh, you know, just a normal run-of-the-mill mechanic is going to be 35 to 60 bucks an hour. And, yeah. and it's the same thing with powder coaters, you know. Uh, you know, there was, remember that time we went to Oahu and, and their company is no longer in business, but we went over and checked out their facility and I went, oh, no wonder they're charging $50 a rim. I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. were literally 
<laughs> operating in the open air. I was like, I mean, yeah, dirt was, floors. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> And okay. I was like, we get so it. You, know, you know what? So, well, we went over there to look there just to kind of go, oh, now we get it, right? So now you got it. And now you realize, oh, why we're so much different or better, right? You know, it, and you realize exactly, you have exactly. to go and do it. You do, you know. Well, you know, if you're if you're paying for a nice building and, and you have nice equipment, that is money that is out of your pocket to do that. And you have to refill that pocket. <laughs> so you yeah. have to charge properly for that. Right. You can't give it away. And, you know, but everybody you know. starts at a different point and everybody, you know, like you look at Roro, you look at black label, you look at velocity, all these guys, they, they didn't start yesterday. They started many years ago and, you know, to be like them overnight, isn't going to happen, but to, you know, but no. you have to just keep doing you, you know, well, that, and that's our story. We started, you remember, we, we started with the, 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 the stupid little hot coat gun from Eastwood and we had the, <laughs> the infrared heat lamps. I mean, I didn't even have a blast cabinet, you know, when I first started. I don't even know what you're talking about there. I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know it was pretty grim. <laughs> but we started, right? We did something. We started, you know. Yeah. So nobody wants to remember that we started like that. No, you know. But yeah, that's I how remember we how I started. I remember every <laughs> excruciating decision and every hard turn where I had to make a left or a right, and I said, "This is what I'm doing." And and that's unfortunately businesses like that. And we are making decisions as of this moment. <laughs> yeah. Tell them the good news. Okay. Powder coaters out there. We just secured a new building. We're moving our building from the west side of the island to the central part of the island, which will give us more business. Uh, for us, this is a great move. We've been wanting to do this for many years. Uh, it, it, it just happens that, you know, with the COVID-19, it's just been a real pain in the butt. But yes, yeah. we are making that move and it's going to be a good move. We're very excited. Uh, uh, other good news, we have the patent coming out for us on our uh our uh, our secret weapon. <laughs> I'll just leave yeah. it at that. And uh, that. yeah, that's and, good stuff. Yeah, good things. So you know, even in bad times, you can you can always have a positive outlook, and and that's another thing. Always, it's it's easy to get negative. I mean, you have to be real, but try to keep that positive outlook and, and yeah. And we're going to have, uh, I, I'm setting something up with, uh, Kevin Corson from PCI, uh, powder coating Institute next, hopefully in the next week or two. And he, he's going to go over some highlights from the, the, uh, annual meeting that, uh, we attended, uh, regarding powder coating and the state of powder coating and where we're at. So I'm going to eke out as much of those details as I can from the meeting uh, to help everybody out there know where where the industry is going right now um, and stuff. But let's okay. So here's number two. Everyone is unique and has a different level of talent. Um, so find out what your talent is. If you like doing uh, lanai furniture, we call it lanai furniture, but outdoor furniture. Um, if that's your bag, then and you do really well at that, do that. You know, like be that guy. You know. If your rims or your brakes or brake uh, calipers do that, you know, it just everybody, you know, not everybody's going to be good at everything. No. And, and certain things you have to be super 
like perfectionist and you know we've you know we've realized that like with rims and stuff you have to be at that you know 98 to 99 percent perfection rate you have to be that way and that's why you have to charge if if you don't charge properly you're gonna it's gonna bite you in the butt because you're gonna end up redoing and stuff you almost have to price in the fact that you're gonna redo a rim here and there you know uh, right. another another uh, perfectionist thing is uh, like uh, guns. If you're doing like uh, people that want their barrels powder coated, and uh, you know, in the beginning, I did this a few times, and I realized, wow, this crowd is super perfectionist, and it's like, right. whoa, and it's like I have to slow down so much to do this that I would have to charge such an exorbitant rate; it's not feasible. And at right. that moment, that's where I realized we're not doing that. Right. You know, and the point is to train is to train the customer market up. Right. I mean, yeah, to let well, them know how well how awesome powder coatings are so that they will pay more for them. Right. Yeah, as and, a, and, just a general and there's second. people that are specialized and that's what I was getting at. So, you know, I, I don't specialize in that. That's not my deal. And mm-hmm. if somebody comes in and say, I want this done, I'll say, OK, it's going to cost this much is what it. And if I have, you know, because, you know, oil, guns are very difficult because of all the oil stuff. And you, you just it, 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 it's just one of those things like, it's yeah. like you're literally powder coating in WD-40. And it's like, oh, my God, fisheye right. central. So anyway, right. uh, you know, but there is people that have more time and, and they're basically, you know what, I, you know, I'm going to do this out of my house and I've got this and I don't need to buy the big oven and I don't need this. And, and I just got a little tabletop, you know, bench blaster and, you know, their costs are considerably lower than my cost and they can do that and they can spend the time and right. provide a living for themselves. And that's the thing. So, you know, if you're the, if you're coming from that angle, uh, at home guy, you know, you're going to have lower costs. You can bring everything down and, and, and charge less. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's just, the big guys out there are going to charge more because we have to, and we're going to, but also we've been doing it for a long time. We're going to bang it out fast right. and, and it's going to look good. So, so here's, have, go ahead. Sorry. We just have the years of experience, you know, right. and there's, there's nothing that can compete against a guy who's been doing it for 20 years versus a guy who's been doing it for a year. Right. Uh, it's just, there is just no way. Well, Think about this, though, like, I mean, not where, you know, a lot of guys that are starting powder coating companies today do have that experience. They've just been working for someone else, too. So, um, you know, that's, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, if you've been as a, you know, you've been working at a line coat system for a while and now you're going to get into custom coating. I mean, there's, you know, there's going to be some learning curve there and yeah, stuff. And that's- that's you know? a mental thing. That's a mental thing. So what you just described is a mental thing. Basically, the guy's been working for somebody his, you know, his whole entire time, and now he wants to be the owner. And you know, has he been making the bids? We don't know. You know, so yeah. if he's not, if he's not comfortable with that, you know, that's entrepreneur 101 you have to be comfortable with that and that's where i i stated off at the very beginning you know you have to run a lemonade stand first right <laughs> you know? yeah you know if you can't run one of those uh 
you're asking for trouble and uh, basically you need to get help or have a mentor or mentor. Yeah. Like get someone like Terry who was on earlier. Uh, Terry's awesome. And he's such a wealth of knowledge. I mean, we just barely tapped into what he knows. Um, and he, he's got a really good rapport. He, he really gets one-on-one with you. He listens. Um, I'm just trying, I'm not trying to plug Terry just cause that's what he does, but uh, he certainly has been helpful to us. We do use him. Um, and, uh, but I mean, I brought him on just for the pricing part, but th- he helps so many different kinds of, he, he helps custom coders and line coders alike. So he's got, he, he's just your man, you know? Um, but let's get on to number three, cause this one really is key for us. Uh, the resources available to you and another person are different. So that definitely plays into us for sure, because it's all about the shipping over here in Hawaii. Um, and anytime you're buying a new piece of equipment, you got to cost in that the shipping's going to cost just as much uh, as the as the equipment itself. Yes, yes. So there's and there's lots of different pricing uh, between the equipment itself. I mean, you can go from one sandblast pot that's you know two thousand dollars or sub two thousand dollars, and then the you know the brand up is almost 5,000 and you're like, well, why, why is this so much different? You know, so you need to figure out why that's different. And is, is it going to mean that you're going to be operating at a lower cost? Because in the long run, uh, something that's more expensive might operate at a lesser cost. So you need to understand those things. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other things. Oh, like media, for example, uh, you know, garnet, we've, we've came to the conclusion for us uh, it's the cheapest medium to use for sandblasting. Uh, but in the mainland, you have you can use uh, that Star Bright, uh, and you can there's other you can use coal slag. Uh, there's uh, you know, various bead. You can use all of those glass bead, aluminum oxide, and you can get those for a lot cheaper. But for us, we it was garnet. It's the cheapest, and that's what we use. Um, right. But those are things you got to keep in mind, you know, and what works best and what's quickest. And that is the most important, what's quickest. And, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, but equipment, no doubt. I think everybody knows at this point how important um, equipment is in the powder coating, you know, to, to keep your game going and, um, and improve your game too. I mean, you're not going to, uh, I mean, maybe some people will be, yelling at me for this one but you know you start to see all these beautiful uh you know shots on instagram on wheels and and uh you know calipers and all kinds of automotive and motorcycle parts and stuff like that guys they're not using the eastwood gun to get that okay (laughs) they're using the they're using the top of the line uh gima wagner you know, whatever. I mean, they're using those top of the line guns. I mean, they, they, they just are. So if, if you think you're going to get that level with your little $200 gun, it's not going to happen. You know, Yeah, that, that was mind boggling when I went from the, the, the cheapo gun to the, to the Wagner, I was like, and that was the old EPG 207 model. And I was just like, wow. And then of course, when I bought the, uh, the you didn't even know how to use that thing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, yeah. I mean, oh, I spent many times in the the message boards figuring out where the settings needed to be, you know. Yeah. And, and 
those are <laughs> it's and nowadays it all comes prepackaged buttoned you just hit the button and go you know <laughs> it's like yeah all right this is great and you know but yeah you get what you pay for uh there's you know definitely a five thousand dollar powder coating gun is going to shoot way different than a thousand dollar gun i can tell you that but uh that's something i'd like to do is do a comparison shoot and some video one day of all the different various guns that would be cool okay Gima, wagner piccolo uh what's the other one the cool cat well there's there's norseman yeah Yeah. there's there's many others but uh i wasn't trying to name names but (laughs) you just did (laughs) yeah i did i'm in i'm a troublemaker today okay here's the last one Just know that there is always someone going to be better than you. Nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. Yes, yes. And um, also, uh, you know, I could expand on that, too, is also know when you're wrong and make a mistake, you know. So, you know, there's always going to be some a, a, a better, better fish out there, you know. So uh, and when that happens, you just go, well. You know, it's time to up my game here. What do I need to do to do that? You know, and and some people are just more predispositioned for this business than other people are. So, you know, you have to you have to you kind of have to be in the right mindset to begin with. And then from there, just keep elevating your game, you know, Uh, but let's this is getting off. We're talking about. Well, you definitely like to, you know, you almost have to be. um you like to get burned by the oven at 400 degrees. That's one qualification. Um, you definitely like to get shocked every now and then with electricity. Um, you know, those are just some of the, you like to get chemical burns. <laughs> uh, those are just some of the things you have to put up with in this business. But, um, but you're right. And I, um, you know, either you, you know, you're either going to be that person that's going to be the better person. And if you're not, it's okay, I guess is what I'm, you know, it's okay to not be the next row row or the next whatever. I mean, like it's, uh, there are, there's plenty, plenty, plenty room to be just the best of at who you are or what you do, you know? Yeah. And you got to understand what you're what are your limitations? You know, yeah, I have my limitations. limitations. There's certain yeah. things I, I just don't want to do just because no, I, I know. Because it's like it's and for me, it's not that I don't want to do it because I I can do it. It's just to me, it's just not feasible in the cost to do it. And you cost know, cost or time or and, your and time because you know. I how watch long it's I watch these guys. You know, they do the taping and wiping and it's just like wow you know you're, you're talking about almost you know an hour and a half to two hours on each rim you know and it's like yeah. whoo you know, your cost just went right up doing that you know and that's just for the taping and the wiping and, I, and then you got all the other costs involved so you know it's like at what point do you got to charge to and will the customer accept that that's the thing so and there's you know it's just one of those things. So it becomes a labor of love, you know, yeah. and, and there's people that do that. And, but I, I won't, I, you know, cause I, I know I have to make money at this. So uh, when it comes too much of a labor of love, I kind of like, okay. I, I, and I just tell the client, I, I can do this, but it's going to cost this much. And then they go, Oh, and I go, yeah, uh, it's just because of the time. So, but I can do this. And I always, always have uh, basically uh 
another scenario for them to to make them go, oh, well, yeah, I like that. Let's do that. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> you know. So yeah, just, you can just, always just, change just their don't mind. Limit, right? limit, limit, don't limit yourself, but, but always right. have a, a, a another street for them, an avenue for them to travel down. You know, that's a good and, point. Very good know? point. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's, uh, I think that's a great way to end. Um, I, this is, man, I didn't think we were going to be able to talk about this much and cover so much. I might have to turn this into two episodes because, uh, you know, Terry had some valuable points, but we've also covered some other really interesting different perspectives and um, thought-provoking maybe stuff that just people haven't had the chance to to even think about because they're so busy powder coating, you know, to, you know, but it, you do sometimes have to take some time to slow down and, and invest in yourself. And one of the things to do is to invest in your pricing, invest in your confidence and, and, and do a, um, I guess a temperature, take a temperature of where you're at, you know, um, and, and, and is there an opportunity for you to improve your pricing, increase your pricing? Um, or are you, you know, are you just happy where you're at? All right. Well, that concludes the episode of pricing and getting what you're worth. I hope you've enjoyed everything you've heard today and you're able to, uh, improve where you're at. Um, Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And of course, always, always send us comments, questions. If you've got an idea for a new uh, podcast, uh, direct message us anywhere, everywhere. Um, email us info at Maui Powderworks. And I hope you have a great day out there. Take care. <laughs>